Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I'm excited that you're, you're here today. I want to tell you a story. Uh, I was a Christian for six months, a very young Christian. I was 20 years old. And um, my first pastor came up to me, the first church I went to, and he said, Joe, I'd like you to volunteer and be one of the teachers in the junior high Sunday school. And I looked at him and said, I'm six months old as a Christian. I don't know anything. And uh, he said, son, said the grace of God will come on you. And uh, he said, you'll do okay. And talk about being nervous. But it was amazing. I sat down to study uh, and prepare a lesson, and I had not done that as of yet. And it was like things just bubbled up and ideas, and I'm like shocked, and I write this little outline. So I have something to say, but then I go in to say it, and that morning I was shaking, and my voice was trembling a little bit. But as soon as I opened my mouth, it's like it all came out. And I, for the first time in my life, experienced God's grace. Now, you may argue, well, you had a pastor's gift, and you, and I did, but uh, the grace still came on me. Think about it, six months old. But then my pastor came up to me about a month later, and he said, Joe, uh, he said, we need volunteers uh, in the Sunday night toddler room, some people to watch toddlers. And he said, I'd like you to volunteer. He was, he, he was uh, from New York, so he was an aggressive pastor. Uh, and he just come up and ask us. And uh, so I said, uh, said, you don't want me watching kids. I said, I don't like kids. And uh, I said, that's the last place you want me to be. Now, I love kids now. You know, I'm, now I had kids. I have grandkids. I love children. But, uh, don't, but when I was 20, I, I have, I'm a little OCD. I'm functional OCD. I can function, but I like order. And, you know, kids are chaotic. It's crazy. And God helped heal me when I, you know, was married and had kids. But um, I told the pastor, I said, that's a mistake. And then I told him my one babysitting story. Um, there's two. I mean, one time I, I, I picked my brother Pat up when he was an infant and dropped him on his head. That, that, uh, but I caught it with my hand. My mom said, don't grab him. Uh, but she just waxed our wood floor and, I, and she went downstairs and I picked him up and then flew backwards. And I kind of got to hand her. When I told my brother Pat, he was like 40, he goes, that explains my life, Joe. That explains my life. So, um, I apologize to him. I didn't tell that story just till recently. And uh, but I told the pastor, I said, listen, listen, um, I babysat one time, I was 16, the neighbor across the street asked me to come watch her toddler, and I said, uh, she left, and the toddler was pulling all these toys out of the playpen, and I said, stop, put them all back, one at a time, sit there and play, and then when you want to change, you go put it back, get another one, and this girl sat there with that one toy, and never, I kept saying, I'm watching a movie, I go, go get another toy, get another toy, she just sat there and stared at me. And I know nothing about kids, you know. When her mom came home, she ran to her mom bawling. And I told her mom, she was good till you came. But uh, they, they never invited me back to, to watch their kids. So I told the pastor, and here's what he said. He said, God's grace will come on you, son. God's grace will come on you. I said, I may ruin your church, but, uh, but I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll try it. So I go in, and it's, it's like a coat comes on you or something just comes upon you. And it was the most amazing thing. I, 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 I had the most fun I've ever had. Um, the kids loved it. When their parents came, they didn't want to leave. It was just absolutely amazing. First time in my life, six months old as a Christian, I experienced 
God's help, God's grace, God's ability. And we're going to talk about that today. And, and some of you in this room, you're going to have an opportunity to experience something uh, you've not yet experienced. Salvation is incredible. Getting saved, accepting Jesus, incredible. But man, when you begin to mobilize and say, God, I'm going to help you bring your dream to pass, everything in your life will change. Excitement like you can't believe. The grace of God will come, like my first pastor said. So what's God's dream, guys? God's dream is that everybody would know him. That's the dream of God. He wants everybody to know him. And how does that happen? They have to meet Jesus first. And then once we meet Jesus, we have to grow and become like Jesus. That's the dream of God. And he uses local churches like ours to bring that to pass. And we've been doing a great job as a church, but I want to welcome you to Pioneer if you're visiting. This is our final lesson. And uh, uh, God has called us as a church to pioneer a couple things, and it's really exciting, and, and everybody's excited about it, and, and we're going to need help to do it, and many of you have already volunteered. I'm so thankful that you have, um, but there's two things we're going to volunteer, uh, or, or pioneer, excuse me. Uh, one is what we call our BC Boardman Campus, and uh, I'm really excited about that. We're going to take what we have here and duplicate it in Boardman. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be just incredible to go reap harvest there. Remember what God spoke to me. I said, God, I have pastor friends there. And uh, I don't really want to infringe on their territory. We're good friends. And then God spoke to me and said, Joe, there's harvest there that only you can reap. And then he, and then he deflated me and said, and there's harvest there that will never come to your church. That's why I need other churches there. And God uses multiple churches to reap harvest. So that set me free. You can see behind me, uh, we're going to begin monthly uh, fellowship gatherings uh, in September. So for those of you that live out there, those of you that have relatives out there, those of you that are going to volunteer, we're going to begin to build our base uh, this September after summer. And I'm really excited about it. God's also called us to pioneer what I call the off-site traditional campus. That will be right here in Trumbull County. And here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to rent a church building with a steeple and pews and stained glass. We're going to have traditional music and, and, and or songs and singing, and we're going to reach another group of people. Um, if, if you like it here, let me tell you, this is our number one calling as a church. This is, this is our niche, and we have a couple core values. One is uh, we build bridges, not barriers, and what we've done with believers is we build a bridge to modern-day culture. And, and it's been wildly successful. We have another core value. We're married to the message, not the method. And all that means is the Bible never changes. We're always going to teach what the Bible says, but you wrap it differently. That's the method. And so that's what we've done with, with Believer's Church. And, and every now and then, I shared this in, first, in the first lesson four weeks ago, every now and then someone will come up to me. It's very seldom. And they'll say, Pastor Joe, I love this church, but what's with the lights and what's with the fog? And uh, I always tell them the same answer. Um, I'm doing this to prepare you for heaven. And, uh, and they're always shocked. And, and I, they say, why? What do you mean by that? And I always say, well, read Revelations 4, read Revelations 5, read Ezekiel. Th those are chapters where you can see heaven and what it's like. There's a light show around the throne all the time. And there's fog just filling heaven. Now, that's the glory of God. We have fake glory here. But, but it's still... It's just preparing people for heaven, right? And it's, guys, it's modern day culture. But with the campus, the traditional campus, we're reversing and, and, and what we're saying is we want to build a bridge to traditional people who will never walk into this building 
and we're going to wrap the same thing in a traditional service. And so in order to do both these things, we need tons of volunteers. Some of you will call, be called to boardman. Some will be called to traditional. Some are going to say, hey, I know you have volunteers here that are going to switch over. I'm going to volunteer here to fill those gaps. And I'm believing God for 150 new volunteers this weekend. And we've done well so far. And uh, this will be our last service. So I'm just believing God to raise up 150 new volunteers. And we're going to give you a chance for that uh, in just, just a moment at the end of service. But there's a quote, guys. This is an incredible quote. Uh, quote. It's by uh, Vincent Donovan. And it goes like this. Evangelization is a process of bringing the gospel to people where they are, not where you would like them to be. When the gospel reaches a people where they are, their response to the gospel is the church in a new place. And this is a Catholic bishop. And I mean, this is one of the most powerful things I've, I've ever heard because um, I have always thought, you know, the people that live in Boardman are traditional people. Why don't they just come here? I, I used to think people live in Boardman, just drive here. And then you look at the stats and you find out why people don't drive because 90% of people won't drive more than 15 minutes to get to church. So uh, that's why they won't come to us. And uh, traditional people like their tradition, and that's okay. That's not bad. Tradition's okay. And so they're not going to come. And I love what he says. When you take the gospel to people and they accept it, guess what? You have a church in a new place. And I'm excited about a church in a traditional wrapping, and I'm excited about a church in Boardman. It's going to be absolutely spectacular. And that's what we're going to do in this series called Pioneer, where we're going to pioneer two new works. Now, I love to throw some business stories in. I love to read business stories because they inspire me. Uh, there's principles that work with God. They also work uh, in the business world. And uh, there's this guy, I think most of you might know his name. His name's Howard Schultz. You know who Howard is? A uh, Jewish guy, uh, loves God in a Jewish way, really loves God. And uh, that means he hasn't believed in Jesus yet is all. And, and um, he was an executive for a co company he was making 75000 a year, and this coffee chain came up for sale. It had a, he says it this way, it had a really strange name, this name Starbucks. He thought it was strange. It was really small at the time. It was for sale for $3.8 million. And he said that was like a minnow swallowing a shark to him. But he decided he was going to step out, and that's what today's about. I'm going to teach you how to step out for your personal dreams, for God dreams. And he wrote this in his memoirs. It goes like this. He, he said, um, this is my moment. If I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, I would replay it in my mind for my whole life, wondering what if. So he bought it. Big move. You know, five years later... He took it public, and in one day it was worth $273 million. He made $269 million in five years. And not only that, today Starbucks is worth $50 billion. How many of you would have paid $3.8 million if you knew that ahead of time? I, I would have, I would have. And Howard Schultz was saying recently, he thinks the company will double. He thinks it'll be worth $100 billion uh, in the next couple years. And that's amazing growth. And he's personally now worth $2.9 billion. And you know what he did? He took a step, a step of faith. 
And when we do, God just does amazing things. As a matter of fact, I want you to walk out today. You know how I always want you to get something out of a lesson, and I want you to understand it more clearly than ever? And here's what I want you to get today. When you step out, God steps up. And, and uh, stepping up means God does the miracle. God puts the grace on you. God does his thing. And I want you to listen real carefully. Think about this. If you don't step out, God can't step up. If you want God to step up, you have to step out. So if you stay in your boat and don't step out, God never steps up. And so if you're wondering why God hasn't stepped up, it's because you haven't stepped out. And until you step out, God can't step up. So it's all about us stepping out. And if you and I step out, then God can step up. And it, this is all about us seeing God step up in a big way in every area of our life. And it all comes with a what-if moment. It all comes with stepping out. And like Howard Schultz, I don't want you sometime in the distance asking yourself, what if? Like 10 years from now, I don't want you to ask yourself, what if I would have responded to God tugging on my heart this past weekend, at, you know, that weekend at Believer's Church? What if I didn't blow off what God was dealing with my heart about? What if I would have stepped out? How about on Judgment Day? You know, we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and it's, it's not to see if we get to go to heaven. If you're a Christian, you're going to heaven it's to be rewarded. It's an exciting time. And I don't want you to look back then and say, what if? Man, if I only stepped out and helped God with this dream, I'd have tons of rewards for all of eternity. So us pastors worry about that because when I go to heaven, one of the things I'll be judged for and rewarded for is whether or not I taught the truth. And so um, if, if Jesus looks at you and said, you didn't serve me, you didn't, you didn't volunteer for me, you didn't help me with my dream, I don't want you to look back and say, Pastor Joe's fault. He never talked about it. Um, I, I want to be there smiling, coaching you, and encouraging you, saying, well, I told you, but that's okay. You still get to go to heaven, but I wanted you to have all these rewards, and I wanted you to have treasures, and, and so that's what, that's what pastors are all about. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you. I want to change your life, and I want you to feel something that's more exciting than anything you've ever felt. It's, it's the grace of God coming on us. So um, there's a story in the Bible about stepping out, God stepping up. It's so incredible. Jesus is with his 12 disciples. He said, guys, get in the boat. He said, cross to the other side. So they're going to go to the other side. They're on the Lake of Galilee. Jesus said, I'm going to go up into the mountains and pray and spend the night in prayer. So the, the disciples get in the boat. And then halfway across the lake, this incredible storm comes. Now, some of them are fishermen, professionals. That's what they did for a living. And they're so scared. They're screaming. They think they're going to die. And I've been to Israel twice. I've had that privilege. And both times I did the tour of the Lake of Galilee. You get on a boat and they tell you the stories. And uh, all the tour guides say this. They say that because it's in a valley and there's hills all around, they'll tell you that storms come in. One minute it's bright sunshine. The next moment there's just this crazy storm. And it catches you by surprise. And, and I was there and I told the tour guide, that's like northeast Ohio. I mean, that same thing happens here. And uh, it, it's, you know, we're used to it. But that's why they were so scared. But then take a look at what happened. It's an incredible thing. Matthew 14, 25. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them. So this big storm's happening. The boat's about to sink. He came to them walking on the water. And they screamed in terror for they thought he was a ghost. But Jesus immediately spoke to them, reassuring them, don't be afraid, he said. Now, they're all screaming. They're scared. And last week I made this comment. I said, if I was Paul and I had to spend 24 hours in the ocean, especially at night thinking about those sharks, I'd scream like a girl. And, uh, 
after service, one of our members came up to me and said, Pastor, I've never critiqued you, but I'm going to critique you today. And uh, he said, you know, you shouldn't say scream like a girl. And the first thought that hit my mind was he wanted his pastor to be more macho. That's what I thought, but I've learned from experience, never assume. So I asked him, I said, what are you referring to? He said, Pastor, he said, women are, they're tougher today. They don't scream like that today. He goes, you offended a lot of women in there. And I said, I am so sorry. I said, I live with my wife and two daughters, and they scream. They're screamers. And uh, I said, so I'm just used to, to ladies screaming. I said, I, I said, I'll never do that again. But uh, uh, my wife, when we were first married, uh, if she saw a bug, she would scream like at the top of her lungs. And it could be four feet away on a wall. And so I, I told her, I said, honey, listen, listen, there's different levels of screams. And um, I said, there's someone broke in the house with a gun scream. I said, and when I hear that, the hairs go up on the back of my neck. I come running. And I said, then there's a bug scream. That's a lot lower pitch and tone. So I said, the scream you just did is someone broke in the house. So I come running thinking, you know, uh, someone broke in our house and it's just a bug. So, so she's worked on it. She's gotten really good. But so I told my, my three, three wonderful women, I said, uh, I said, I won't say that anymore. I'm going to say I'll scream like a baby. And uh, my daughter, Michelle, looked at me and said, you're going to offend all the babies at Believers. <laughs> and I said, that's okay. They can't talk yet, and uh, we're okay. We can offend them, right? Right? So they're screaming. I just had to throw that in and say sorry if I offended anybody. Uh, verse 28. So, so then Peter called to him, sir, if it is really you, tell me to come over to you walking on the water. This is amazing. Do you know Peter initiated walking on the water, not Jesus? That's a powerful point. He initiated it. And, and uh, so Jesus said, all right, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. This is really powerful. So, you know, Peter could have said, Jesus, I'll walk on the water when the storm stops. The boat's rocking. It's crazy. Stop the storm and then I'll walk on the water. Uh, but he didn't say that. And, you know, if Peter waited for the storm to stop, he'd never walk on the water. And I think that's symbolic. If you and I wait for all the circumstances to be perfect, to help God with his dream, we'll never help God with his dream because life is never perfect. And if Peter would have stayed in the boat, God would have never showed up. The miracle would have never happened. But he stepped out even in the storm. And then God stepped up. And here's what's really fascinating. What did Peter really walk on? Did he walk on water? He actually walked on a word from God. He walked on the word. And that's absolutely amazing when you think about it because your Bible is full of promises and God's waiting you for you to step out on those promises so he can step up. And then the Bible is full of the commissions. We have the great commission. God's waiting for you to step out and, and help reach the world. And when you step out, God steps up. And if you wait for perfect conditions, Peter would have never done it. It would have never happened. But here, I like this too because this happened to me it's happened to me many times, and it's Matthew 14, 30, and it goes like this. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and rescued him. Oh, man, a little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And here's what I've learned. I've done this many times. You step out of the boat when... When the storm's happening and you're fine, you're walking on water, but then if you take your eyes off Jesus, 
and start to look at how big the waves are and how they're crashing and what's happening, uh, you can lose heart and begin to sink. And I noticed that with pioneering. I noticed whenever we step out to do anything, uh, the enemy's going to hit our lives and there's going to be some kind of storm, some kind of disruption. And I just want to encourage you, don't look at that. And if you just look at Jesus, he'll lift you right back up if you just stay on what he's told you to do. And here's what I love about Jesus. He just reached out his hand and he pulled him right back up. And Jesus has done that in my life many, many times. And he wants to do it in your life. So when you pioneer, you're going to have those moments when you think, oh my, everything changed. Don't give up. Keep standing. Keep walking on what God has asked you to do. Now, here's a phrase I want to talk about for a moment, and it's just simply be a pioneer, not a settler. And there's these really cool commercials that DirecTV does. They're really funny. I laugh so hard. There's a ton of them. Uh, and I'm sure you have seen some of them, but I believe they make a point that I want to help get across. So I want to play one of them for you. So check this out. Dear, why don't we switch to DirecTV? Now, Mother, we are settlers. I've settled for cable all my life. But DirecTV has been number one in customer satisfaction over cable for 15 years. We find our satisfaction elsewhere. The boy has his stick and hoop. The girl, her faceless doll. And you have your cabbages. And you have your foot stomping. I sure do. Don't be a settler. Isn't that a funny commercial? There's a ton of them. They, they do a great job with them. And again, I'm not promoting DirecTV or anything. Um, but if you do sign up, use my name, would you please? No, just joking. Just joking. I, I, I love this commercial because, you know, a settler is someone that stays set in time. They just stay set in time. I mean, he, he, he's still foot stomping. That's his entertainment, you know, and... and uh, Daughter's playing with a faceless doll and the son's playing with a stick and a little hoop. They're just set in time. And I think that happens to us as Christians. I think it happens a lot with us as Christians where we just kind of stay set in our Christian walk and it's all because we're sitting. And when we get up and we begin to walk, we begin to grow. And I've had people say, say to me, Pastor, what do I do to mature? What do I do to grow up? And I always say, the best track you can take, believe me, I took it at six months old, is connect with a church and start to help. And God will do supernatural growth in things inside of you. Um, it reminds me of cement. You know how you pour cement wet and then it's, it sets? Um, but you ever notice the cement trucks? Did you ever notice how they turn and they go to the factory? Now, sometimes... If it's a really long haul, they put all the ingredients in, and when it's turning, it's mixing. But for local hauls, they pour that cement in already made. But why is it that that cylinder turns? Because if it doesn't turn, the cement's going to set. And I've noticed if we don't get out of the boat and start serving God and living for God, we set in our Christian growth. We settle, and we just harden, and God's not able to grow us. And uh, I've watched, I've pastored this church for 34 years, guys, and I've watched, you know, people be here for 20 years, 25 years, and they will often uh, say to me, you know, I just feel my walk is stale. And I say to them, well, you can't just sit and do nothing and, not, and, and have a vibrant walk. You have to get in the race. And every time they listen and do it, they come back to me and say, Pastor, it's amazing 
My life's changed. And I say, sure it has. You weren't made to sit. You were made to move like that cement truck. And it reminds me of a quote. I love this quote. And uh, it goes like this. Christ wants not nibblers of the possible, but grabbers of the impossible. And it's old English, but here's why I like it. As soon as I read this, I was just looking for good quotes. And I read this. And it reminded me of a story of nibbling and grabbing. And it's a, just a spiritual principle I want to help you with. Years ago, we had our leadership team. And uh, we did a fellowship night. We went to one of our leaders' homes, Ted Sad, who now pastors a church in Newcastle. But uh, he was one of our leaders at the time. And he fed us. And we had fun. We're all in the living room. And we're just talking. And he had some bowls of different candy. And he had a bowl of M&Ms. And Ted and I were grabbers. So we're grabbing. You know how you just get a handful and just go like that. And people do that with popcorn too and just grab. So I don't know, 10, 15 in time, just going in. And uh, he saw my wife, and I didn't know it at the time, but Ted saw my wife take one M&M, and he said she took three bites out of one M&M. And it confounded him. He couldn't figure it out. I didn't see it. So he goes in his kitchen and he makes this plate. See the plate behind me? He makes up this plate. And three M&M's and a knife and a fork. And Gina hates condiments, so he puts some mustard on just to tease her. And, and then he, he brought it to her, and none of us know what's going on. And we're like, what are you doing? And then he told all of us, she took three nibbles out of an M&M's. And then we just laughed, and Gina laughs, and we had a great time. And it's okay to nibble candy. It might almost be good to nibble candy. But that quote is so powerful because... It says, don't be nibblers of the possible. And that just, as a Christian, it's so easy never to take a step uh, of risk with God and just stay within the realm that you're really comfortable. And God's asking you to be a grabber of the impossible. And I, I really believe today some of you are going to grab it, what you thought was impossible, what you thought you could never do. And you're going to do amazing things. Here's a scripture God spoke to me uh, out of. It's Deuteronomy 1.6, and it goes like this. It was 40 years ago at Mount Horeb uh, that Jehovah our God told us, you have stayed here long enough, now go and occupy. And God spoke to me years ago about us. He said, Joe, you've been a one-campus church in Howland long enough, go occupy. I've called you to plant campuses. And people asked me last night after service, a bunch of people came up to me in the lobby, they said, are you going to leave us? I said, no. I said, we're going to do this with technology. Don't worry. I'm going to be here. I'm not leaving. Uh, I'm going to try to stick a service in Borman where I do one here, go there, and then come back here and do the second one. So I, I think I can do that. And I told you before, I'm in great, I'm, I'm in Olympic preaching shape, so I'll be fine. Uh, not so much in some other areas, but uh, preaching, I'm, I'm in Olympic shape. So I believe God's saying to everyone in this room, I believe he's saying to, to all of us, it's time for us in our minds to go occupy. And so even if you're going to stay here and volunteer, you're already volunteering, it, it's time for us to have that mentality. God's called us to occupy, guys. And there's some of you, you've been here maybe a short time, maybe you've been here a long time, uh, and God's calling you uh, to step out today and become an occupier by helping us in, in one of these incredible areas that we're going to be stepping out in. Now, I do want to say, if you're visiting today or you're really new here at Believer's Church, uh, maybe you're here a week or two, uh, three, whatever, you're trying to figure out if you belong here, I, I, I realize 
We're not asking you to commit to anything today. But if you've been here a while and you consider this your church, um, guys, the storms in your life are never going to end. <laughs> it's never going to be a perfect moment. Uh, but if you make this your moment, I, I'm, I guarantee you when you step out, God steps up. So we're going to give you a moment in a moment. But I want to introduce some people to you, all right? Um, and I'm going to ask Pastor Graham and Lori Cathers to come up and... Um, they're going to be our Boardman campus pastors. Can we give it up for them and just thank them for that? We're really excited about that. You know, and uh, God has sent us gold because, uh, you know, Graham and Lori have volunteered in churches in every position. They know the volunteer in. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.